So we are live, right? We are live. Okay. So I would say all you fret buzzing people out there today. <laughs> fret buzzing. <laughs> Wait, where happened to the noise? Uh, there's no noise. <laughs> I, I think, Aaron, should we make the announcement to those I, who are listening? We are worldwide. <laughs> we are global. Yeah. We are now available on iOS, uh, iTunes, Android. We are available on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, Podbean. Uh, we're available. We're pretty much available everywhere at this point. No matter what your podcast player is, uh, search us out. Fret Buzz the podcast, uh, and we'll show up. Subscribe, and uh, every Tuesday we'll be coming out with a, an episode. So we're no longer just three guys sitting in our basements recording this thing. I mean, we kind of still are. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean that doesn't change. But it's it's it's, it's official now. We are yeah. officially three guys in our basements. <laughs> Te- technically, I'm on the main floor. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, really, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, find your out there. Go go to your basement. <laughs> there there are no basements in Virginia Beach because they would be underwater every time it right. rained. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. I know, like in Florida, when I used to live down there, like I yeah. lived in for a time, I lived in Totten, West Palm. Um, Aaron remembers that was probably what 2003 ish. Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. I had just cut that first album. Remember that? Remember the uh, the album? I remember the title of it now. Or had vanilla. And that song was so good, Tony. Oh, you heard that? Yeah, yeah. That I sent was, Aaron sent that to me a long time ago, and that. Oh one was, man, that was cut. Oh, so cool. Oh, thanks. That was that was cut. Well, first of all, that was in my hermit phase. Yeah, <laughs> literally, literally, I locked myself. This is actually a good segue for today. Um, I locked myself in my house for Aaron, what, two months? Yeah, pretty much. I, there, there was a point I didn't come out for three weeks. I didn't go to the store. I didn't do anything. I, I, I'm not kidding. And no. I cut six tracks off that album. Yeah. Like it was just like bang, 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 bang. Right. You know, and I did it on a, I'll never forget. It was a boss digital recorder. It was like an eight track digital machine. I mean, I bought it for 300 bucks. I got my use out of that thing. Yeah. I literally pushed that machine to what it could do. And we were talking like pan parameters and delay effects and, and, you know, and looking back on those recordings, like I can't listen to those recordings now. I mean, I, I pulled, I think I pulled one of them yeah. um, a few months ago and listened back to it. And I'm like, I just, I, I can't, I can't go there anymore. Like that's so like, like artistically speaking. Yeah. I really love the ideas production quality i just think it was just you know just sounded like crap and well that's what you're what, gonna get with all those little yeah those well, like hard, hard, hard disc recorders they yeah. call them yeah 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 um but anyway yeah like so i don't know where this is going but what i remember shortly after that album was cut i went down to florida to teach for a while and i took that demo with me and i remember you know going back to the whole basement thing yeah that was one of the things we we had experienced down there we couldn't have any basement studios or or anything like that but i shopped that record for a while even down in florida i was i was pushing it and you know i mean it didn't really go anywhere but, but nonetheless it is a it is a mark of your you know time and your artistry that was yeah. great i oh, loved yeah. it yeah yeah oh yeah Oh, right, right, right. That motif. Yeah. yeah. I probably should post that somewhere. I should probably put it up. It's a vanilla. Is a, I, to this day, I, I love that song. It's, it's, it's long, though. It's, so what? It's long. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's, it's worth listening. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. That's yeah. It's good. It's good to hear that stuff because, you know, as this topic needs to be today, like, you know, when you're writing something, you know, you just never know 
well, at least in the back of my mind, I'm always like, does this thing suck? <laughs> you know, I know we've talked about this before. There's really no good or bad in, in writing, but there's always this little part. I mean, it's like, is this thing really, is this worth me doing? Right. But, because at the time you're composing it, it's like you, you just you think it's awesome and everything is working and working together. And you put I, I think that vanilla track, I think how long did that take me, Aaron? Like three weeks? Yeah, something like that. It wasn't I remember the whole process and you were like coming up with it and then refining it a couple times and you'd work you were working through the piece. Um yeah, it was about three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, that sounds about right. God, I went nuts. I mean, literally, I went nuts during during that period. Yeah, I came away with, after that album was over. I'm like, I need a shower. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know the exact same feeling because I mean, I just I just recorded a, a song um, called "The Traveler" Loop 16, and you know, always oh, stop. <laughs> For those who don't know, any guesses where that's a reference to? <laughs> just look in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I recorded the song uh, from scratch, and you know, throughout the entire process, uh, I I really enjoyed doing the process, and I I had that same thought in my head: Is this actually worth it? And is this actually good? And am I a little too biased? Because I love it. I love. I, to this day, I keep on putting it on. I'm like, this is. This have is you, good. Have you sent that to us? I don't think I've ever heard that. I, that is. I could send it to you guys. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Now. It's on YouTube. The Traveler. What is it called? The Traveler. The Traveler. Loop 16. Loop 16. Okay. So next time I play No Man's Sky, <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to this track. All right. All yeah. Right. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's how, how long is it? How long is the piece? It's, it's five minutes long. Okay. And it's. Well, you, you'll get it. You, you'll you'll see. Okay. Anyway, I'm excited. That's, yeah. That's um. So yeah. Uh, what is it about the song that what what inspired you about it? Is there something that did you start out with like a a riff that you had in mind or a melody? Or did you just have a some sort of larger idea? Uh, wow. This is interesting. I didn't realize we were going this way. Um. Honestly, truth be told, uh, I made a promise to a YouTuber that I was going to write a song for his show. Okay. Um, so that was my motivation, and I had to have it done by a certain time. Um, so that was my motivation, really. Uh, and I did have a... I had a piece that was rough draft. I had a rough draft of a, um, a intro, a verse, a bridge and a chorus mm -hmm. and i scratched all of it except for the intro and i took the idea from the intro and then expanded on it so it, you know something like a painting because we're talking about art today mm -hmm. um just like a painting where sometimes you'll draw something and then all of a sudden you'll just kind of crumple it up and then start over on the same concept. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what I did. I had this concept, this rough draft of what it was going to be. And then I just kept on playing with it for probably two weeks. Uh, and then it just, it just didn't feel right for some odd reason. I just didn't like where it was going. I didn't, I think I was trying to force some things to happen. Right. Um, so I scratched the whole thing and just took the intro idea and kind of expanded off of that and made it into uh, a little bit more friendly. I think I was trying too hard. Um, keep it simple. That's often the most, you know, 
rewarding and um, I think that's more people can grasp it a little bit more and I'm glad I did because once it was done uh, I really enjoy the song I like how it kind of it's very simple structured you know verse chorus verse chorus and then outro that's it um, it is so hard to distance yourself from things you make hmm you know, that's, that was one of the things that it well, still is a, a big thing for me today is, you know, like I get so, um, attached eventually. Like, I think we talked a few weeks ago about not really becoming attached emotionally to something until you need to, but you know, like once I finish a piece, you know, I, I want to like dive in and like be a listener to it. And I found that it amazes like the tr- same for many artists that like you, you can't, I don't know, experience it the way an audience would. And for me, I always like that. That kind of makes me feel a bit sad that I know that like I, I can never get something that I've made. Um, I can't get the same things from it that let's say like Joe, you got like from like when you listen to the track I made, mm-hmm. like I have no idea how that thing made you feel and what was going through your mind. And like, I know for me, I had a completely different perspective for me. It was like more like the mad scientist at work. I got to get this thing in here on this riff and this theme has got to work this way. And I come away from it. It's like, I'm just exhausted, you know? And then listeners, come to it and they're like, Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. You don't know how much work went into those, those <laughs> things. <you know? laughs> right. You right. Know? For them, it's over in five minutes for you. It took you weeks, yeah. if not months and right. even years. <laughs> so fascinating. But you, that. you don't find that when you like literally distance yourself for say a year or two or more from a track that you created, when you re-listen, you've got a totally different perspective based on the music you've been recently playing or listening to what i find is okay um i understand that yeah i I think to some degree that that is true my experience is more like when i listen to something i haven't heard uh for let's say a few months my ears get more into just the the tonal sounds of for hearing it for the first time like you know what i mean like you almost like you hear hear something like uh, i remember let's take that track that vanilla track i put this really weird phasing on the opening c-sharp minor chord you know and it's kind of playing with that stuff I forgot what that phasing effect sounds like, the texture of it. So when I hear it like years later, I'm like, ooh, that sounds so cool. You know, so it's almost like the, the ear candy grabs me again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of that for me than I think it is about, you know, bringing in my, my, my current musical experiences and, and associating these things I'm doing now with something I wrote 15 years ago. I mean, some of that is true, but I think for me, it's more of just like the, like the, the glistening tonality of the stuff I have not heard in a long time. Like when Stephen King, like, you know, when he writes a lot, what he'll do when he'll write a novel, he'll pump the, the novel out and stick it in his drawer for six months. He won't even publish it. He'll just stick it in the drawer. Six months later, he'll come back to it and, and read it with fresh eyes and then, and go back to it and look at new things. So I do think there's a little bit of, um, uh, sort of some value in being able to kind of take something you've composed and created and creating some distance. I think, I think you do get some perspective that way. I have a hard time, really hard time listening to any of my old recordings. It's a kind of painful experience for me is, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, my playing changes on a, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to practice and improve and listen to new music. And I listen back and it, I mean, I hear there are things that I listen to them like, oh, that was pretty good. But there's a lot of stuff that was I can just hear myself. It, there are timestamps of my abilities at that time and my thought processes. And it's just pain. It's painful. I hear the song and I just like I wish I could do X, Y, Z over again. Right. Right. 
Yeah, it's normal. That's normal. Yeah, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. I mean, I look at things when I did when I was younger, uh, 15 years ago, even um, playing in some of the bands and some of the originals that I had, had written at the time. And yeah, they may be a little bit more simplistic, but it was me at the time. It was, it was my, you know, skills, skill level. And that's okay. I'm okay with that because of the knowledge and of the technical skill that I had at the time, I was doing the best that I could. And what I was coming up with was, you know, I, it's, I can't say I love it, but at the same time, I don't hate it. I guess it depends on the purpose of what you're going to use the track for. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to go out and get gigs and I have people, you know, bring people to my website and I need the songs that they click on from the very get go to be, you know, I might have 10 seconds to impress a listener, especially if it's a, a venue owner or booker or something. And there's a lot of songs that I have that I would like to be able to use, but I don't feel like they represent who I am as a musician now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I, well, I, when I was down in West Palm, speaking of uh, that time, my, my, that sort of a musical period, right? Um, I was, I was doing a lot of Spanish guitar work, um, 2003, 2004. When I moved down there into West Palm beach, um, the, the market for entertainment solo players was pretty massive. Okay. Uh, in terms of like, you know, dinner music, classical music, classical guitar. So, you know, like most things I've done musically, I'm like, yeah, that looks good. That direction. I'll just do it. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll fake it till I make it was always my, my thing. And somehow I was always landing on my feet. So I went down with the demo tape and this, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, why I was, why this happened, but I wrote a piece for three guitars with a violin bow. Okay. And, and like heavy delay. All right. And I, and I recorded this thing and it was probably like, I don't know, two minutes of just, I was going after partials on the strings by, if you ever taken like a violin, bow, like Paige used to do and like, and rub it against the strings. And there's a band called Sigur Rós. Um, it was an Icelandic band, right. And that guitar player plays a Les Paul, uh, with a violin bow, heavy delay, just massive textures. Right. So at the time I was listening to these guys, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to write a, a, a violin esque uh, guitar piece for three guitars and record it. Nothing radio friendly about it, but I put it as track one <laughs> on my demo for my classical guitar stuff and shopped it to some <laughs> of the, the club guys down there. I, I, I don't ask me why. I have no idea. I was probably proud of it. I'm like this represents me musically right now, what I can do. But I was failing to realize that I'm going after a, a particular niche market to, to get some gigs. Strangely enough, I did get two uh, two calls for jobs. I don't think the other. Maybe they didn't listen to it. I have no idea. Maybe right. if they did, that would never would happen. But one of the things I always found uh, to be a bit disturbing, though, in that sort of vein we're talking about, is when I'd go and talk to club owners, they always had a bottom line. You know, it was always like, what can we bring in? You know, how many people do you think you can bring in? What's your stuff all about? Can you put your music together in one sentence? Blah, 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 blah. And for me, I was like, yeah, but I'm an artist, you know what I mean? And that was always a big clash. And that, so that took me, you know, many years to kind of come to terms with the fact that, yeah, you can be an, an artsy creator, but there's a time and a place for it. Right. There has to be a time and a place for it because the general population is not. There, the, you know, the, there's, you know, and one of the things I want to dive into today is, you know, are, are we artists truly? And if we are, you know, how do we sort of navigate the waters, so to speak, uh, trying to be a professional musician, because I think that's a big 
big thing today is how do we create artistic vision? How do we maintain our vision and still get jobs, <laughs> you know, and still play and, you know, and people respond to that. So I, I was listening to Greta Van Fleet, who you guys had brought mm. up and like, they do sound, they sound an incredible oh. amount like Led Zeppelin. It is, it's crazy. I've never heard anybody sound so much like Led Zeppelin ever other than Led Zeppelin. To a point. I, 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 I do a future. Yeah. Yeah. To a point. But yeah, the, the, the vocalists, obviously, I was going to say vocally. Yes. Yeah, uh, vocally. Uh, instrumentally. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the, I mean, the guitar licks on the songs I heard were the riff rock was very page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at, if you're, we're talking about art. Um, so is it, I mean, is that art? I mean, we we're coming around, to the topic of trying to find out that's them making a living. They're getting famous from that. Is it artistic? I mean, they did write, they wrote their own songs. It sounded like they weren't Led Zeppelin songs. So is it art to be able to write a song in the style of somebody else? Is it more artistic to create that or to take somebody else's song and make it completely your own? Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, but sure, sure. I I don't think anybody writes in a vacuum, though. I think no matter where, what you produce, I think it always contains these little kind of little snippets, you know, of of your influences, right? I I think Greta Van Fleet, they went on an interview, and I think they even said, it could be misquoting that, we were not trying to be Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. It just sounded that way. Yeah, that's just them. That's how it comes out. Yeah. Now, they're influenced by... Led Zeppelin, they followed them and they listened to their music, but mm-hmm. in terms of them actually trying to recreate that, I no, that's not what they're trying to do. And I hear what you're saying, Joe. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know that there is a way to classify art. Art is what you make it, whether it's trying to emulate someone else um, cause no one is a good, is an exact carbon copy of somebody else. There's gotta be some amount of art that is poured into music some way, somehow, whether that's through your instrument and how you actually play the phrases. Because again, I'm not Jimmy page, even though if I try to play a Led Zeppelin song, I'll be closest to it, but I'll never truly be what he is now. You know how much of that is actually art that's going into it, or not? I that's that's kind of hard to say. <clears throat> I mean, I think no matter who you are, whether you're a cover band, cover band, or a um, or an original band, there's definitely a a bit of art that goes into any one of those. If yeah, you know the, what I mean, it's it is truly the creative process is its own. Like writing, sitting down and writing something from scratch is definitely art. And I'm not, I think that we can agree that they're, they're all, it's all art. Mm. But to take somebody else's song and to do a, to pour yourself into it and change it completely, you're, I guess you're starting with a platform that's already created. Right. It's like a remolding. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Re-rendering. Well, I mean, now how many bands have done that though? Tons of bands have done that. Yeah. You know, 
you have the prototype and then all the are sort of all the emulators of that mm-hmm. now you could probably i bet you if you're kind of taken across rock music history all the major heavy hitters probably only comes down to a handful and then all the other ones are kind of like branches off that yeah you know, they, they all kind of cite each other um as sort of like their their influences and how they've come up you know? yeah yeah that's very true and then you can't really say that one band is uh, more artsy than the other although i mean i kind of think about this in my head although i will say that i just have a general more appreciation for the original (laughs) i don't know why that is and i don't know if other people feel that way like if i say and i compare um tool right they were the originators of that sound they 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 made that sound and then there's been a bunch of knockoffs um there are some of those knockoffs that they did a pretty good job um and i like it but there's that part of me that's like yeah but i like tool because well they're the ones that came up with that sound not so much that's why i like them but no more or less they're the originators and they kind of uh, they are not trying to copy something else they're just doing it comes out of their you know soul and it's just original whereas somebody else has been influenced by that sound um it may not be as original it may be i don't know uh and maybe later on in that artist's life they kind of start to go down their own path rather than trying to emulate another band whether one has more art than the other I can't say. I don't know that anybody can say. I hear what you're saying because one is trying to, one is almost taking that platform and running with it. It's already something that's been molded and rather than bringing it up from the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. As an artist, someone who does it all the time and it's someone who listens to it, I have a tendency to probably go back to the originators more than the people who are <clears throat> trying to emulate. It takes a lot of guts to be different. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, to break the mold. Like when I think about this, I think of like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Mm. When he came out, and still, you know, he, he was that one original kind of voice. Yeah, there was probably influences from industrial music, but right. I mean, when he was really at the forefront in the '90s, when those those heavy albums were out, I mean, he was really, really kind of changing the tide. And then you had like these people who were, you know, sort of like copying off him. And you know, there was one band I can't remember the name of them now. They had a they had a hit. Uh, late nineties. Um, if I sit here and think about it, I'll know, but like, I remember listening to this band and it's like, you know, it's like a, just an industrial rock track at the very end. They had this little kind of do, 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 kind of thing. Like this little kind of boppy sort of, uh, synthesizer coda. I'm like, wait a minute. That literally is the same thematic motif that Reznor did in like, I think it was in downward spiral somewhere right. in one of those tracks there, or maybe it was the, uh, the pretty hate machine. Or, yeah. 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 Da, da, yeah. So it's like they're da, borrowing da. those elements. Um, and you're right. I would rather listen to Trent. Yeah. You know, it's what those guys are doing, but it does take a, I mean, I always been very uncomfortable with breaking down those kinds of boundaries. You know, I know on one breath I can sit there and say, I respect that. And I really do. But when I sit down and I try to write stuff that's different, I'm like really fragile, <laughs> you know, like I'm always like, should I do this move or should I not? Yeah, I'm going to do it. But initially it's a really uncomfortable feeling to be artistic. Cause I think if you want to define what art is for me, it's all about um, giving voice to that thing that you think is important, you know, in your, in your own expression. So, yeah. 
You're shaking your head. I just don't care. Yeah. Well, I that's a great answer. I've never I'm cared. Fragile. Yeah. I, I've never cared. I've never cared. I, I just, they're either going to like it or they're not. And I, I have no control over that at all. And I don't think about whether it's an audience member or a potential client or whatever it is. Um, they're going to like me for who I am. And if I try to change that in any way, I'm making it more difficult for myself and I'm trying to be someone who I'm not or write something that I'm not inclined to writing. And then when it's, you know, when someone actually wants to hear what I have and I produce it, then it's like, whoa, that's, that's not really what I heard in the last track. So if I've always had this thought of, you know, just write from your soul, write from your heart, write from your mind and whatever comes out, comes out. Um, and, and whether that's crazy nonsense, avant-garde, or if it's, you know, A, B, A, B, C, B, you know, right, chord right. form, uh, it's, 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 I've never really thought too much about that. Just, I don't care. I just don't so, care. So you were not into the whole acceptance, feeling accepted by what you produce for you is the production was the important part. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. See, I was always, for me initially it was, and still to a large degree is that, but I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, like, how's this going to be received? And that's, I got to stop that. That's a killer. I got to stop that. Yeah. I, Cause, I just, cause that really kills the art. It does. I think. Yeah, Cause again, eventually you're going to that audience where whatever you grow is going to respect you for you. It's just like the, you know, Led Zeppelins and the tools and the nine inch nails and the pioneers, the ones who I'm never, I'm not saying that I am any one of those people in any way whatsoever. They are, they're miles above me, but I think it's that kind of attitude of truly believing in yourself and just continually running with it. Even if you get the naysayers, um, just continually running with that, that theme in your, in your mind and in your soul. That's to me, that's important. There are yeah. people who will say no, that absolutely you need to, you need to write towards your audience that you have to know what they expect and you have to know what they want and you have to produce that. I, I get that. I totally understand that, especially when it comes from the numbers game and monetization and being able to do that whole thing. I get that. I don't agree with it. That's just my opinion. Well, I want to add on to that too. Like, I think something you just said, I, and a way I half disagree with is this idea that you say you're these guys are above you in in some ways. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that way though. Like for me, I think what makes guys like Trent and um, and you know Maynard and Adam Jones and all those guys from is that they explore. They just yeah. they they play with musical territory. I mean, it, you know what I mean. And so so it goes back to are they these. Super intellectual guys, maybe some of them are, but I think a lot of them just kind of like scientists, they kind of say, what happens if I put these two things together? Then what happens? Yeah, I guess I should say they have an advantage over me. They get paid to do that all day. Well, that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) If I was paid to do that all all day long, I'm sure I'd be in a much different place. Yeah, Yeah, that's the case. I'm not even mud on the bottom of their shoes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. Do you guys do a lot of writing outside of music? I'm curious. Like, do you do any kind of uh creative stuff you know like artistic kinds of things that you know like do you go to out to a store and say you know what i'm gonna do calligraphy today <laughs> and just and try something artistic or, or is it for you guys is it always just music centered i'm curious i i like to draw i sometimes i i i like to write when i'm traveling i get inspired by the things i see and i keep a journal 
Oh, you do? Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's I, great. I think on my honeymoon to India with Sarah, I think I wrote like 30 pages of just stuff about what we were seeing. And I get inspired and I write song lyrics and yeah, I'm inspired by what we see. Do you ever do anything with that material? Do you ever like take that stuff from your journal and, you know, go back and, you know, shape it into things? I'd like to dive in and write a song based on a day from a trip. I think that would be an easy easy subject matter to find something meaningful i i haven't had time i my life is is too oh yeah you're busy yeah yeah i don't have yeah that's the problem with being a gigging musician and trying to be artistic don't always don't always fit so well together you have to find these little moments to to do it because you you know i have to learn i learned 30 songs for this jazz gig tonight and that was you know, 12 hours of practice over the past three days that I didn't write anything original. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think it comes down to disciplining yourself to say, no matter how much, you know, other stuff I have to do, I'm going to squeeze in some creation time in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I mean, these band, like the Beatles, you know, when they got, and these guys pumped out so much material, it was sick hmm. you know, over the course of their career. But then again, that's all they did. They're sitting in Rishikesh with uh, Ravi Shankar. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hanging out, inspired by all the awesome things they're saying. They had a lot of subject material. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this topic today. Do you think that, like, I always find this fascinating that when I look at artists, I feel, and you guys can disagree with me if you think uh, I'm wrong, because I really don't know. But my view is that all artists go through a creative period that they're at their strongest. Like, it seems to me, like, no matter who they are, they are, they pump out the most output within like a short, short window of time. And then after that, it's almost like they're trying to like either recreate the wheel or, or something, right? Like look at all the art the thing about all the favorite bands you have. There was always a window where they were incredibly powerful and they had a lot of creative output. And then that was it. They're still doing stuff, but they never has the same kind of, same kind of impact. Like I think of like, um, like Neil Young, I love Neil Young's music, right? But he was really, really powerful in a certain window, like he was doing Harvest and those records, you know, and he's still writing and I've listened to it, but I don't have the same kind of reaction to it that I did, you know, from the, the records he kind of did in the seventies. Um, and I think for some reason, bands just kind of, I don't know, artists just kind of do that. I think they get, I, I, do you guys agree? Do you think they get kind of like burned out on the process or is it something else? They get too busy and caught up going out yeah. performing what they're performing. I mean, the yeah. Chili Peppers do that to me. I, I used to love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I still love a lot of their music. But the new stuff they're putting out doesn't doesn't excite me. And I think they've just, you know, they have different band members, and they're too busy touring and doing all the other things to take the time to start over. Yeah, I think that when a band starts out or is starting to find their footing whether that's your first album or your third album there's definitely a push there's definitely this creative thing that happens that gets the juices going within the band that they're on this mission to create something that is their opus there's the you know the the thing right and then once that happens uh it just kind of is hard to recreate that or go down that path again there are few that actually do that um but then again there's the whole 
you kind of get used to it as a listener. It doesn't matter um, if, because let's. There are some bands that try to change direction. Um, I think about uh, off the top of my head, uh, Robert Plant. Since we were talking about him, um, he doesn't do Led Zeppelin anymore. He plays with like Alison Krauss and and does this right. different kind of uh, approach. I'm not excited by what he's doing now. And I don't know if that's because of the style of music or it's just because I've heard Robert plant a million times. Um, and he's been, you know, in my life so much that I'm just looking for something else to be excited about. I don't know what, whether it's one or the other, but that's kind of hard to pinpoint in terms of, you know, what exactly it is. Is it the listener or is it the Mm -hmm. artist? That's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. You guys into David Byrne at all? Oh. I know there's a guy. What's that? I didn't know that was him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy like he was just here recently to do a show mm-hmm. and uh, in, uh, in Columbia. And uh, I look at his stuff and, and I listen to him talk. Uh, he was actually on another podcast that he was, he was talking to and talking to us about this very thing. There's a guy who lives art. Mm, yes, very Being much. artistic. I mean, like that, he emulates the idea of the artist, everything about him from the way he speaks to the way he acts to the, what he creates. And when Talking Heads was over, he kept going. <laughs> you know, that, that, that core of him, that creator, that, that innovator never left. Right. He was always David Byrne. You know, and so, so th- that kind of stuff, like, I, I wonder, you know, do artists have to maintain that level of focus to keep pumping out good stuff? I, I mean, don't know. Do you, do you think it has to do with, in order to not get burnt out on ideas, do you have to go back and woodshed for a period of time, like go and truly learn something new, expand your own horizons in order to then write something different? Well, that's what Burn does. I mean, he, but see, so I asked you the question about do you do other things in other disciplines? I mean, he yeah. does, he does graphic art. He creates in other yeah. media. See, I think that, that that's important. I think an artist is someone who always has some kind of creative outlet, whether that's through music. Um, but I think that that kind of changes over time. It may always come back to music, but there are other aspects in your life that you kind of try to be creative with. Like I know for me, because you asked for about writing, I know for me when I was really young, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that was a very important time for me to write. I have tons of journals that for me throughout that time, because of how life is, I needed to write. I needed to get it all out. And yeah, I did calligraphy as well. And I did a bunch of other interesting things. Now I have no interest in writing at all whatsoever. I'm more hands-on. I love to garden. That's my art. Uh, I'm building a diffuser for my ceiling. For my ceiling. That's right. my art. Right, that's, right. that's the things that I kind of like play with. Um, I'm more hands-on now, and that's kind of where I like to do things. In terms of sitting down and writing, I have no interest. <laughs> but it still, it still scratches the same itch, though. Right? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, for, I think, I think for me, that's, that's the kind of the key that I learned is, you know, it doesn't really matter what you produce as long as you're satisfying that need to express. Mm. Like, you know, that, that, that voice inside is like, you, you gotta put something out because I don't know what it is about art. I, I can't figure this out. You know, for many years I'm doing it. There are some pieces that are magic when they come out, right? They just come together and you're like, whoa, 
that's amazing. And then other ones, they just, they, they just peter and they die in the vine. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can try to recreate things and try to put a formula together or whatever, or analyze it, theorize it till you're, you know, your heart's content. But yeah, so, whatever reason, I think there, I'm not a superstitious man, very much not that, but I think there is something about creative art that there is an element of when it comes together, there's a, there's kind of something there behind it. I'm not sure where that comes well, here, from. Here's a thought because I've been in that same situation multiple times where yes, absolutely. You create something and you're like, this is, this is wonderful. I can't believe that actually came out. And then yes, you do have those pieces where you're passionate about them, but at the same time, it's really hard to get them to go somewhere. And even when you put them away for a long time and then come back to them, it's still, you still have that, like, I just don't know what to do with it. How do you feel about collaborative art? Personally? Yeah, like um, I think it, I think there's a time and a place where it works really well, um, and so in the literary world, like there there is this new thing. I think I was telling you about this a few uh, weeks ago that there's a big push now on the internet for collaborative writing. You know, um, what's the thing? SCP standard containment procedures, like it's kind of the, the, it's like this wiki for you know these creative stories, right? If you guys get a chance to to read these stories, they're put together by just people on the internet that are collaborating their ideas together. I, I think there is a certain kind of something to be said about creating in well, I should say outside of that vacuum procedure. I've been the other way. I've always been the guy on the island you know, like Oz behind the curtain, you know, getting all the machinations done. And, you know, that, that for me, has always, always worked, but I, I do see, you know, sort of the value and input in in lots of different channels, because there's a lot of times when, you know, people can input other ideas like, Oh, that's, that's an interesting thought. I never thought about that thing before. What happens now? Can I run this direction? So from the sense of, you know, putting more material together. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. Especially if you're burning out a little bit. Well, my, my, my question comes from, I started a band four years ago. I think it's been Joe, um, with this, I, this very idea of collaborative art where you bring an idea, a rough idea to band, and then all of you kind of collaborate on what it is and where it should go. That's that. And that ended up being one of the best projects that I've ever been involved with. I, I really enjoyed that process of listening to other people's ideas and kind of incorporating them into my idea or vice versa, them having an idea and me trying to collaborate with, with their ideas. I really enjoyed that process, especially because I was surrounded by people who were as smart or smarter than me. I really enjoyed that process. If you have someone who is mostly a solo artist. Yeah. And has been brought up that way. Yeah. How do you break that wall of now collaborating with a band environment? That's up to the person who you're trying to get through. Like with me, I'm stubborn as a mule. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, so I think it's like any group. Going back to what we said last episode, it's like it's sort of that communication dynamic. Yeah. Um, okay, so a big thing for me is being it's a level of respect for the people who I'm collaborating with and the environment in which that collaboration is happening. Yeah. Because yeah. there, I mean, there have been times in my life where I have, there's some, a way that I envision the song going. Mm. And if somebody comes at me and 
I don't respect what they're saying or I don't like the attitude in which they're, you know, presenting that to me, it's not going to make me want to collaborate with them. But if I feel like this is somebody who they're like, this is a great musician. I need to be more open-minded about this. Or I, I care about this person on a friend, like almost like a friend or, you know, it's mm-hmm. almost like marriage. You're willing to give and take, you know, I've had, times in my you know whether it was kairos or albino rhino whatever where i have because you're you're more open-minded towards people you're really close with you're willing to take their suggestions and it eases that process a tremendous amount oh yeah absolutely i mean with kairos i was definitely open to suggestions from most of the members because we knew what we were talking about. We were coming from a spot where it wasn't just, you know, I'm going to throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks. You know what I mean? Like there was actual thought process that was going into it. There was ideas, there was bouncing off of things and that writing in real time together. Yeah. I mean, the idea might've stemmed from one person, but you know, when we actually got together as a group, the collaboration was like, try this chord. And then I play some lick against it. And you're like, oh, change that lick a little bit like this. And then it all came together as one in the moment. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, I wrote a chorus and oh, I wrote a verse. Let's see if we can smush them together. Right. And you know, my, po- my point is, is, is that, that that process with that band was much different because I was very open to talking with you about something i was very talk you know sean would you know um uh he would kind of say okay i've got this beat going on and i i would like to do something off of that beat and he would come Mm -hmm. up with some sick fill or something like that or he'd Um, put you know go and play an eight or four four over our seven eight for yes was it like 56 measures and it all came out yeah you you know what's really cool do you guys know what the word kairos means yeah, the moment in which right, it's Greek, right? The most opportune moment that things comes together. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was actually why we picked. Is that why we picked it? Yeah, yeah, that was great. I meant yeah. to always ask you guys about that. Yeah, because I kept talking about it. Yeah, um, no, but but my, I think that that opportunity was amazing. I don't know that I've ever had that kind of input with another band. So you're um, saying that's because of the collaborative nature. That, yes, that's where that came from. Yes, yes. Okay. specifically went into that project with that mindset um, versus all the other previous bands that I had been in. It's I art. Think, it I think that's the point. That's the point of artistry is to explore, you mm-hmm. know, figure things out, you know, figure yourself out. I mean, otherwise, I mean, then, then I just think it just becomes like you're creating something for people to listen to or to watch. And, and again, I, I get that. I think it's awesome. And I think much of art is, is designed to have audience and all that kind of great stuff. But like you said, even too, Aaron, it's like, it's gotta be the listener. Like it's gotta be, you, you have to have your own personal way into something. So when I, when I make something now and like, even like what we're doing with this show, like, I mean, I've been doing a lot of blogging as you guys know, the last couple of days. Oh uh, yes. If you are so oh, right. 100% and go check out Tony's blogs. They are amazing. Well, I would go there, but thank you. They, no, they there. are amazing. He's a great writer. 100%. 
check out his stuff. It's good. You'll want to subscribe and read it every single day. Sorry. Thanks, man. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> but like with that, like when I sit down and I, and I open up the blog post for the morning, right? Um, I sit down and go, okay, I know that what I'm going to put onto paper right now is going to go out to potentially, eventually millions of readers. That makes my heart flutter to just know that, right? But at the end of the day, that's my stuff, like in terms of my own thinking. And it's like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I always feel kind of weird. Like I feel like, is, should I do this? Should I say this kind of stuff? But, but I think that's what art's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about that personal expression that you, you got. And not just um, like, here is a piece and I want to have it out there in the ether. But there's something kind of, there's something that resonates with the writer and, and the creator. I think all artists have a tendency to want to pull in and to kind of, I don't know that initial, that, that idea of putting it out there and pushing it. Now I can't say all, but I no, no, that makes sense. I, I would agree. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who want to kind of, you know, this is mine. This is, you know, I want to keep it, hold it near and dear to my heart yeah. and, and to be able to kind of push it out there is very hard to do. Yes. It's very hard yes. to kind of just put everything of yours in the open for people to kind of yeah nip, oh yeah pick you're out. exposing yeah you're exposing yourself what you know think about that you know mm -hmm. we we spend so much time trying at least i do trying to guard well you guys know i'm a very private person you know so like it's really hard for me to you know build this wall around my own thinking process and then i open that up <laughs> you know so it's a very kind of weird irony that I, you know in my my professional even private life, I'm very kind of closed off. And then, yeah, I'm going to go write a post and hopefully millions of people will read it. <laughs> right. right. Like, really? What's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of who I was as a young man, um, I was very, very, very closed. Didn't want to expose myself to really anybody. Uh, now I'm not the complete opposite, but almost very opposite where uh, I fight that younger me a lot in my mind and say, you know, it's better to be a part of a community and it's better to um, collaborate and it's better to be a part of something rather than be a single, you know, solid. Just God, it's so hard for me though. Oh, well, I know. That's it, so it's, hard for me. it's not easy, but I know that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, no, I know you're right. I know you're right. Okay. I'm gonna get the tissues now. <laughs> i love it this is good stuff i'm just going to change the titling to a psychoanalysis of anthony skulls so so while you guys you guys seem to both put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the the writing aspect of art i i think that i i've had my i had a period of um very productive writing back several years ago and I've been in a slump of actually writing songs and like new tunes, but that's largely because I've been, I'm the opposite of a slump. I'm in a, I'm, I've been very productive in practicing and learning new technical skills and things. Right. I, I spend most of my time practicing, like learning other people's songs. And I mean, taking, so, I mean, in jazz, you take a lick and you put it over, I like to take a lick and I will put it over every single chord change in a tune as an exercise. Mm -hmm. And then maybe like I'm doing these lessons on how to use the bebop scales. You run as an, as a 
an exercise. You run the bebop scales, you descend from the root or the third or the fifth or the sixth, seventh, whatever, of every chord change. And then in the end, once you've developed that technical ability to do that, then you start combining these things in different ways. And you don't have to run straight down the bebop scale. You can change directions and you can run partially down a bebop scale and run up the arpeggio. And I mean, it to me, I think a lot less about writing songs, but the improvisational aspect of things of being able to create in the moment. And, but yeah. a lot of that for me is what, when I think of practicing my art, I'm really doing a lot more technical exercising. That's okay. And that's yeah. okay. I went, I went, Joe, there was a period. So <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think, I think we did that. Probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is my twenties. This is my twenties. You know, yeah. like I remember being a taught, this is actually a good exercise for our listeners too. I, I had a great lesson. Uh, I was probably 19 where one of my teachers, Mike Casella, his name was, he was a theorist. I, I, I should reach out to this guy because he, you know, he had a brain for theory. Like you would, you guys would not believe, you know, um, just, he just, he just ate it. It was, it was just his thing. Anyway, he used to give me this technique workout where he would say, he'd sit me down a lesson. He goes, all right, here's your sequence. And he would like sequence a, a set of notes, mm-hmm. take that through all different kind of modal shift changes. You can, uh, you pick some scales, whatever the case is, but that you can never break that sequence. That one sequence had to remain the same the whole way through. So, and this is like talking about spontaneous improvisation. I had, I did a lot of like note taking a lot back in those early days. So I'd sit with a notepad, I'd write them out first and I would play. Um, but for me, I was so highly technical, but I still felt like I was making something. If that makes sense. Like I never felt art had to be this thing where it was like this poetic sort of, you know, beautiful metaphorical kind of stuff. For me, artistic ideas could be anything I was kind of making in that moment. Mm -hmm. So if it was something technical, then so be it. And it led me to a realization that that makes me really happy today. And that is that I don't really think, and this could be people might kind of disagree with me for this, this statement, but I don't think there's any such thing as creation. I think it's all an uncovering process, if that makes sense right? Things are out there and you have to uncover them. And for me, that is, that's the creative process in a nutshell. So like when you're making, let's say a sequence or you're kind of coming with something technical and you discover that these things fit together, well, how much that really is you like inventing it? How much of it is really like you just kind of like uncovered the connections and they they kind of came together. And, And that gives me a lot of excitement too. You know, and in some ways it takes the pressure off me when I'm making things, you know, like I have students say to me all the time, like, how do you, how do you pump stuff out so quickly? Well, because I'm not even worried. I'm not worried about making it, you know, I'm not worried about inventing. I'm just like trying to figure things out in my head. And, and that uncovering process, um, for me, it just gives a lot of excitement. It's like that, you know, I, sort of that old, was that old saying, was it uh, Michelangelo or something where, you know, he's like, you want to, you want to make a sculpture, you literally look at the, the stone block, envision what you see in the block and chip away what's not, not needed, however that paraphrase goes, right? So that's my process for it. And I don't think it really matters if we're in a technical, um, you know, a technical medium or not. So I, I would be pretty proud of what you're doing. I love those bebop lessons, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's it for me. Like when I, re- when I saw those, th- I think you have three of them on the website right now, correct? Yeah, the other yeah. one, I'm editing the other one. Yeah, other that's creative. One. That's a creative idea. That's a creative idea, you know? Yeah, it, to me, it's taking building blocks 
And creativity comes in how you combine those building blocks. I agree. Like this next lesson that I'm doing is I'm actually taking all those bebop scales and we're, we're, I'm playing them over Misty. Errol oh yeah. Right. 1950s. One of my favorite tunes to play out. Um, Joe passed did an amazing version, by the way, of Misty. Yeah. He does an amazing version of everything. But the idea is that like, you know, I start out running the bebop scale off the root of every chord of that, of that song for the top, for the first A section, but then starting to change directions from the closest note. And there's like all these different pathways. Like if you, if you continue down the scale, you know, it, you end up being in a totally different spot on the fretboard when the next chord change comes. And it's like, it's never ending. Every teeny little decision you make in that split second affects everything else. And then if, especially when you start introducing arpeggios, they help you like jump to different set, different areas instead of running down a scalar, you know, scale wise, it, it's like, you never know what's going to happen, which is just so exciting when you're in the moment. And especially when you're like in the practice room and it's okay to take risks and it, it's a really um, fulfilling experience for me, at least right now. I, I get a lot more out of that than sitting down trying to write something because like I, I wrote that, I wrote like a jazz standard kind of thing the other day. And then I was like, this isn't groundbreaking. It's just like, it kind of sounds like other jazz standards. Be, that's, a, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. To me right now, the artistry I'm, more interested in is being able to to improvise well over these tunes and i i mean i use the same philosophy playing over i could be playing fins by jimmy buffett live on the atlantic avenue tonight and like it's the it is the improvisation where i take that in the middle sections like i really i don't care about singing the song i mean i do but you know i'll I'll do that and then it's like I just finished the second chorus and I'm going to like pull out the slide and do something that doesn't go with that song at all, but I'm making it my own in that way. And that, that excites me. And I think when people come to see me, you know, that they, they might be like, is he still playing Jimmy Buffett? Cause this is not, yeah, right. This just got really completely different genre yeah. in every way. And so I, that, that excites me artistically it's so important to build your musical vocabulary with phrases and ideas, you know, no matter where you get them from, whether you uncover them or you borrow them for me, it makes no difference. I think the idea that you can have tools in your belt that you can put together in different ways. Um, you'll, you'll just never run the well dry musically speaking, right. And artistically and whatnot, because you, you just, it's, you're always expanding you know, what you can say. Cause that's always been hard for me too. Is like, if I had, how many times you guys have, so you had an idea in your head, you can hear it, but you can't get it out. Like you don't have the vocabulary musically yet to express it just the way you hear it or you mm-hmm. audiate it. So for me, that's where the learning, ex- learning new things kind of comes in. It gives you those, those expansion tools to kind of do it that way. You know, mm-hmm. those years are extremely important that you go through that process of learning how to play other people's stuff and phrasing and sequences. And that's, that's all part of this big picture that, yeah, I think composition at first is, is very hard because you don't have that vocabulary. 
Um, but as you kind of go through the years of learning how certain people do things and how it kind of is going to play into your role as a musician, um, that composition process just gets easier and easier and easier to the point where I think I can't speak for you, Tony, but I, I think where I am right now as a, as a player, um, I think it's more about the composition rather than the technical, technical part of it, sitting down and learning new licks and stuff like that. I've been through that already. I'm more into the idea of now getting what's here out into you yeah. know, the land. That that's translation, you know, getting it, you know, hearing it and getting it out and, and the speed that with that happens, you know, like to, yeah. to, to, to shorten that gap of have an idea to, to bring it out into, into sort of the physical form. Um, it, it'd just be great to have those things, those things instantaneous. I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not nowhere near instantaneous invention, but that's a, a goal I always strive for. This is great, man. I love this stuff. Yeah. You guys are awesome to talk about yeah. this stuff. With, but. Everybody. Thank you for tuning in i want to say please subscribe and by all means 100 percent comment down below we would yes, love your comments people to start a conversation with you guys uh and we've got a lot of cool things up on the horizon a lot of cool people guests coming on the show and a lot of good things are happening so yeah awesome we appreciate it. we right. appreciate it all right see you guys all right. have a good week yeah have a good one <laughs> Wait, where happened to the noise? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get the tissues now. I think we called the band Screw It. What ours? Or yeah. you mean the what? What our band? Who are we talking about? Those pronouns are confusing me. We, who's we? Me and you? You and I, yes. Okay, all right. Okay. Yes. All right, I'm I'm back up to speed. Sorry, yeah. guys.